Cool. Good morning, everyone. And um, yeah, it's good to be with you guys this morning. I'm actually not 100%, so I might be a bit croaky. <laughs> so I apologize for that. Um, it seems to happen. Hey, it's like you go to have a holiday and you get sick just before. <laughs> you start to wind down. Um, but we're actually finishing off this series. We started the combined service um, two weeks ago, which we called Rivers. Um, and it's this idea of focusing on unity. And it been kind of, when we had the combined service, we talked about the area that we're in, Pine Rivers, and we have the North Pine River and the South Pine River, and they actually combine to become the Pine River. And, and this area is kind of almost a picture of sometimes diversity and, and difference coming together. And that's actually a real big um, theme of the New Testament. So we talked about from the first bit of what Sally just read out about um, there being one God and one Father, one Spirit. We have the same. So there's this, this real emphasis that actually we're to be one people, whereas often the church has been really divided. Um, so we're going to kind of keep going with that. And I guess we're talking about it in our context here, but also broader um, church context. And last week, um, Randy Edwards came and shared some of the history of Churches of Christ, which is a lot about unity and churches coming together as well. So it was really good to be able to hear. Um, but I want to sort of share this sort of illustration just to start with. And then we're going we're gonna to look through a bit of Ephesians 4, not the whole thing. And we're going to look through a bit of Ephesians 2 as well. And um, but there's this illustration I heard this week by a guy named Scott McKnight, kind of about this idea of unity. Because sometimes we, we, I think everyone's for unity in the church, but we kind of do it different ways, and sometimes it's not really what it's meant to be. And he talks about three ways to make a salad, or to eat a salad. So there's one way is where you kind of have a few different things in the salad, but then you put like a stack of dressing or a stack of sauce on top. So really, it only has kind of one taste or one flavor. Like maybe the lettuce is not that great. You've got a couple of other things. So you just like put stacks of Caesar dressing or like ranch or something like that. And then so there's all these different flavors, but you don't really notice them. It's kind of just dominated by one. Or another way to make a salad is to just separate everything. <laughs> You put the tomato over here, you put the salad over here, you put the, the, the lettuce over here. I think that pitch has some chickpeas and other things like that. And that's a really weird way to have a salad. It's like, that's kind of just different vegetables in different bowls. It's not a salad. And he talks about the right way, what he says the right way to make a salad, is where you actually have multiple different things that taste different, that have different flavors, and you put them together in one bowl. Maybe you put a little bit of olive oil in that kind of brings out the flavor in each, and the idea is that when you eat it, you have actually all these different tastes that actually kind of come together. That, I just found that picture on the internet. It's got like watermelon and prawns, so they're pretty different, and olives and, and feta and, and stuff. But the idea is actually they go together, and actually there's this real taste that's really nice. And he says, in fact, a lot of what we've done in church most of the time is more so the first two salads. We might have a church that we kind of say we value difference and different people coming together. And maybe there's different people, but often there might just be one flavor, or it's really, the church is really about one culture, or one group, or one kind of class, or it's kind of everything's focused around one thing, and the other, other people are welcome, and there's like diversity, but they're kind of invisible. They're kind of, you don't really have the flavors of the difference that come together. It's kind of dominated by one flavor. He says, but often we kind of don't even really have that. Often churches have 
simply just separated because it's too hard to have differences together. We want to be one, but instead of being this mix, we end up having churches for different groups. And kind of that's often, like, like I was thinking when Randy spoke last week like, and talking about just how different the denominations are and like you can't have communion if you're not part of the denomination. Like we don't really have that as a major problem anymore. Like I was thinking when he was talking to the young people last week, it's like that hasn't been our experience. Like our experience is people are kind of Christians and we get along together and it's, it's okay. But one thing that we do have is, is it's very normal for us to have churches that are targeted to a specific age group or demographic or, or gender or class. It's like that's a, that's a really normal thing. Like this is the church for young people or this is the church for older people or this is the church for really strong Bible people. Or this is the church for spirit people. Or this is like that's and that's actually kind of separating the salad. Like we, we kind of think, let's unite around this one idea or this one thing. Let's find the people that are like us, and we'll be united there. And it's actually it, 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 there's this, and that God still works in that, and it's still there's still good in that. But actually, it's kind of a weird way to make a salad. And we're actually maybe united, but we, but we lose the differences and the diversity. And he says, actually, what, what the church is supposed to be is what he calls the right way to make a salad, which is actually really different people, actually different tastes, different styles, different preferences, different stories, different, maybe even some slightly different beliefs or perspectives or emphasis or values, actually together and actually valuing the difference. And the unity is not sameness. It's unity with diversity and with difference. And sometimes in our kind of push for unity, we can sort of push too much towards sameness and actually not value difference. What I want to do today, though, is, is look, and I just look at how important difference and diversity is to Paul when he's writing and is to, to God and is to, to what the church is actually supposed to be. So we're going to look through some of Ephesians 2 and some of Ephesians 4, um, and if you follow along, you can, you can follow along in your Bible. I'll have a few verses up there, but I'm not going to go through ev- everything to sort of pick out some key ones. And then we'll kind of look at some practical, what, how can we actually do this, some principles around that as well. So let's, maybe I'll just pray quickly and then, then we'll have a look at some scripture. Yeah, Father, we just ask um, that you would speak to us by your word this morning. Um, we just know that you love your church, um, that we are your people. And would your vision for, for what you want to do in us and through us um, be our vision? And where we're, we're off, would you correct us and lead us and just speak and, and give us an open heart and, and unite us um, together even this morning? We just pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, so this is Ephesians 2. So we talked about this last week a little bit, or well, two weeks ago, and this picture in the New Testament of there being like a river which is like a people of God. It's, it's the, the Jews, are God's people all through the Old Testament. Jesus is Jewish. He's from Israel. He comes to fulfill the promises. But then there's this other river that's been tracking, which is the Gentiles. And it's the people who are not Jewish, and they serve other gods, and they don't really maybe even know about the true God. But then in Jesus, these two groups come together and are made one. And he talks about there being one new family They've actually joined. He says this in Ephesians 2. He himself, Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. So these two groups have been enemies. 
They've not been together or united. There's been divisions. He destroyed the division by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. If you wanted to be in God's family before, you had to become Jewish, which means you had to be circumcised. You had to keep the Sabbath. You could only eat certain foods. The law had all these regulations that you needed to follow if you wanted to be in. And in Jesus, he's fulfilled that. And actually now, if we believe Jesus, we're in. We don't have to do all that. And we've now followed him. He, he's, he's taken away that barrier. It says his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. So this is a huge theme, particularly in Ephesians, um, but in other books, particularly for Paul, that Jews and Gentiles, people who have been enemies, who are really different, who eat different things, who think differently, who have different backgrounds, are now to be one. And so much of the New Testament is about how does that even work? Like if I eat this and you eat that, how do we get along? And, and if I think this and you think that, how do we get along? And, and Paul's big thing is you need to figure it out. Like you can't be like, oh, well, this is a church for Jews. This is a church for Gentiles. We don't say with them. Like, he's like, that's a denial of the good news of what Jesus has done, that this is actually so important. He says this other places as well in Galatians. He says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. That barrier has been broken. Neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are one in Christ Jesus. Natural divisions have been broken down in Jesus. It doesn't mean that you stop being Jewish or Gentile, you stop being a slave. Like people were going to a church, and there were people who are slaves in the church, and people who are free. But they're actually sitting down at the table together and having fellowship and sharing communion with each other. You don't stop being male or female. But the division that was there is broken down. There's a, there's a unity in diversity that, that comes together. This is so key to Paul. So he actually is saying that, that the church is supposed to have a diversity of people. It's actually, in many ways, that's what it's meant to be. This, 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 this group of people that are different cultures, different genders, ages, social... Like none of that stuff, you don't have to be the same as us to come here. You need to be... You need to believe Jesus, and we're united in Jesus, and then we value these differences. That's so key to Paul, particularly in that passage in Ephesians 2. Again, I've gone through that really quick, so I encourage you to go and read that and, and study through it sometime. But then in Ephesians 4, this is what we looked at last week, uh, two weeks ago, and this, Paul just emphasizing the oneness. Again, he says it here, I'll read that. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And it's like he just smashes it again and again. There's only one church. There's only one people of God. So being divided does not make any sense at all, is his point. But lest we would think that means we all have to be the same, straight after that, he says... But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And we'll keep reading, but it's like there's one, really strong. But then he says, but there's different, different graces. And then he starts talking about gifts or, or, or grace, gifts of God, services. He says this, so Christ himself, this is verse 11, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers... So different people who are gifts to the church with different gifts for different purposes. And the, the ultimate purpose is to equip his people for works of service. 
So the goal of these gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, is to equip and empower all people in the church to use their gifts and the things that God has given them, their unique contribution. So it's, it's everybody with a part to play which is slightly different and unique but working together. Works of service. And the point is so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. This is this picture of unity, but there's different gifts, different actions, different services, but all heading the same direction. And in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is this picture of Jesus, us as Jesus' body. And the idea is that each person is maturing. And as that's happening, or the way that that's happening, is through each person bringing their unique contribution, which God has actually given each of us by the Spirit. Everyone has a grace, a gift to serve and to contribute. He says this in Romans. He says, For just as each of us has one body, this is this metaphor of a physical body, and many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So again, it's this picture of one body, but in your, in your own body you have different parts that actually work together. You have a hand and a foot and a nose, nose and eyes and, and, and all different legs, arms. They're all different, but it's, but it's one body. And again, he's saying this is the picture of the church. It's actually to have a diversity of gifts. And these, the, or another way to think of it is functions or different ways of serving or contributing. And in Romans, he talks about prophesying, serving, teaching, encouragement. There's another list in 1 Corinthians, and there's that, that list in Ephesians. And, and each of the lists like, doesn't have all of them, so it's, like, it's not an exhaustive list. There's lots of ways that God, by His Spirit, could gift people to serve and, and to, to contribute. And he's saying that actually there's supposed to be a diversity. There's a oneness. We're one. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're one. But he's saying that doesn't mean uniformity. It doesn't mean we're the same. And again, we kind of sometimes do this even with churches. We sort of say, well, this is the church for teachers and people who like teaching. Or this is the church for people who really like serving. You know, this is the church for people who just really like community and encouragement. And, being, and, like, and again, the point, the, the idea is that we have the salad, which is mixed. And there's all different gifts. And they have, kind of have different emphasis. But they're actually working together as one body. So we're saying the church is actually meant to have a diversity, to value the diversity of people, backgrounds, cultures, stages in life, and a diversity of gifts or functions or way of, ways of serving and, and contributing. It's supposed to be diverse. There's supposed to be difference. What we actually want is unity, but unity is not uniformity. It's not everyone looks the same. It's not everyone has to do the same thing. It's not like everyone, I go to this church because everyone's like me and they're at the same stage of life and they like the same music and they like the same stuff. Like, that's actually not what church is supposed to be like. It's actually supposed to be we're together, but we're actually, we're really different. We want you to be united and diverse. That that's actually the picture of, of unity. It's that we don't deny the differences, but even value and celebrate them. This is kind of the main point from this morning, is that true unity celebrates our diversity while remaining one people. It's, it's the, the sort of natural thing, and I think it's just because this is just so hard. The natural thing is either we, we really focus on unity and it kind of becomes 
too far just unity, like just uniformity, so we just start focusing on what's the same, and we kind of feel like we have to be the same. Or we kind of go too far the other way, and we just value diversity, but it's like the salad's just split up, and everyone's kind of just doing their own thing, and we like just separate, and we kind of don't even notice each other, and it's, it's, we don't value unity. Like, to have both of these together is so difficult. And that's kind of the point. The point, really, is that that's only possible with God, to actually have really different people together as one, loving and working together, that is evidence of God at work. That's the power of the Spirit. And actually, that's what the church is supposed to be, this community. Like, that would not work without God. <laughs> we need God to do that. Scott McKnight says this, The church is God's world-changing social experiment of bringing unlikes and difference to the table to share life with one another as a new kind of family. When this happens, we show the world what love, justice, peace, reconciliation, and life together are designed by God to be. The church is God's show and tell for the world to see how God wants us to live as a family. That actually, we are supposed to model, reveal to the world. There's even some passages in Ephesians that talk about revealing to the powers, other spiritual powers, that God's goodness and grace and love in actually differences coming together and being united in Jesus, and actually that Jesus can do that. So in order to actually do that, we can only do it if we value and celebrate diversity while pushing forward and, and valuing unity. That true unity celebrates our diversity while remaining one people. And again, that's only possible with God. Um, but we can sort of get that vision for it, and then we realize we need God's Spirit. And, and McKnight talks about kind of the oil in the salad is kind of like God's Spirit that actually sort of t removes the tension and brings love and, and acceptance and listening and generosity and, and, and can actually help us work together. But what I want to do, though, is just kind of keep going down a bit and sort of think, well, how, how do we do this? Because, again, that sounds great, and everyone's probably like, yeah, that's great, but, but it doesn't really work. It's too difficult or we kind of, they maybe haven't seen that happen before. And I want to just keep taking these two passages, Ephesians 2 and Ephesians 4, and kind of look at the second half of them, because there's two pictures that Paul gives, or two metaphors that he gives of the church. And these metaphors can really help us, I think, kind of think through how do we actually keep moving towards this. So in Ephesians 2, after talking about that, that passage, we talked about the two groups becoming one, the hostility going down. He talks about the Gentiles coming in, and there's this new building God's building. And he starts using this metaphor of a building and talking about the church as a building. He says this, in him, so in Jesus, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So he's not talking about a church building. He's, he's using a metaphor to talk about the new family that God's made of Jews and Gentiles, slave and free, all these different people together. He's, he's using this metaphor of what God is doing in that is, is building a building. And this building is a temple. And the idea is that God comes to dwell in his people, this diverse group of people, that he comes to live in them. That actually the diversity of people is to be seen as a building and a temple. And I think this, this sort of picture can be helpful for us because a building is strong and stable. It, it, it's, it's immovable. 
It's, it's the, the, the blocks in the building are cemented together. They're, they're, they're committed. They're, they're in with each other. And I've kind of based some of these ideas off Graham Cook, so I've got a few of his quotes, and he, he says this, the solution to how do we have this unity and diversity is to have solid relationships ground in a love that is rigid, unmovable, and inflexible, like blocks in a building. No matter what the provocation, whatever comes up, we simply will not be moved away from expressing the love of Jesus for one another. He says that the, the church as a building is these different people who have come together and are saying, we are one in Jesus. It's like a building that's solid. And what's non-negotiable is that we love each other, that we care for each other, that we're in this together, and that we're not moving on that. It, it has to be this strong, stable foundation of committed love for one another. So as a building, we commit to love one another and stick together even though we are different. That actually, that, this, 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 this picture won't be possible if we're kind of like, well, I really like this thing, and if people don't really like it, I'm, not, I'm kind of done. Like, it's like, that doesn't work. It has to be like, actually, we're really different. I don't understand you. I don't get you. But we're one in Jesus, and we're not, we're not moving on that. <laughs> like, that that's, un, that's just not up for grabs. Like, we love each other, and we're committed to each other because we're family. Like, that, that's sort of what he talks about, this picture of the church as a building. And actually, God, that, God wants to dwell in those relationships and in that community. That, that, that's his heart, that he has a people that love each other, that he can come and be with and actually reflect him to the world. Second then, so that's Ephesians 2. It talks about this picture of a building. Ephesians 4, after Paul talks about these, this diversity of gifts, he t- starts talking about, and we sort of heard it a bit, this picture of a body. Um, he says this towards the end of the Bible reading that we had before. He said, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. So this is a picture now of the church as the body of Jesus. He says, From him, from Jesus, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So there's this picture of a body now that Jesus is the head, Jesus is the source, Jesus brings the growth, Jesus is the one who's given all the different gifts to all the different people, and actually he's at work. And all these gifts and all these different contributions that everyone's making is actually causes each person to grow, and actually for us to grow together. And we become more mature, and we understand more of who Jesus is, and we're able to reflect him more to the world. And that's this picture of growth and moving and working together that comes with the body. So there's a diversity of functions and gifts, but these are united together as the body of Christ. It's the idea that Jesus is actually on earth today in us, and he's actually working in and through us as we're united as his body. Cook talks about it like this. He says, this this picture, this metaphor of a body, relates to our ministry and to all the things we do together in the service of God. The church should be full of movement, vision, and challenge. So our body moves and does things. It, it's active. It, it's contributing. And this is, it's flexible. It responds. Like, that's this other picture of the church, that it's actually to be full of movement and full of life, and we're actually to be serving and growing and contributing. And actually, the way to do that is that we encourage and value the unique contri- contribution of each person. We say, actually, we need everybody on board. We need all the gifts. We need all the things that God has put in every single person fully active and working together because that's actually the only way we're going to grow to maturity and actually be able to do what Jesus has called us to do. So we, we need the diversity. We need to value the difference and actually work together. So it's interesting because there's this picture 
of, of the church as a building, which is like solid, immovable, not flexible, but stable. It's this committed love for each other. And then there's this picture of the church as a body, which is lots of movement, flexible, active, doing lots of different things and actually working together. And it's interesting. There's like, it's, there's this, uh, God, just this tension, this tension that God actually just has both in his, his church, this solid, immovable foundation, but flexible, active, going places, doing things. It's a building and a body. The really interesting thing that Cook says in his book where he sort of talks about this effectively is that often what we do is emphasize the body. Often what happens is we kind of unite around what we do. So we're interested in doing something, so we kind of get on board. And what what brings us together is that we've got a common mission and we're doing and we're serving together. And that's, that's good. But he says what often happens is that the differences are too strong that it breaks down that actually we disagree on things and we just can't seem to work it out and then how do we stay together? If we if come together based on what we do and we can't figure out how to do it together, it kind of falls apart. And he says actually what needs to happen is that what comes first is the solid building. We put priority on committed, loving relationships. And second, we work together and serve together. The solid foundation provides a context where we can actually really disagree but still work it out together in love. He says this, the principle for church relationships is that God dwells in the house and moves in the body. We can act together as the body of Christ, but unless we are built together as the house of God, we will always be erratic and ineffective. Actually, we'll disagree on stuff. The tension will be too strong. And, and I'll be, be like, I'll go this way, you go this way, and it's, just, it's too hard. But if we're built together, if we're committed to each other, and then the, the New Testament talks so much about loving one another and, and being patient and kind and believing the best and being generous and like all those things, if we prioritize those things, then we can actually work through the differences and stay committed to one another even when we disagree, and even when we, we can't figure it out. We, we, we say, no, we're just going to stay here for a while and then we'll come back and we'll work it out together. He says we have to put priority on the building before the body. Both are important, but that, that we have to get the order right. He says this, mistakes occur in church when we forget that what we are together is far more important to God than what we do together. That we first and foremost are a family, a solid group committed to love each other, Secondly, we do things together. And that doesn't mean that the, the things we do are not important. They're very important. But that the, the, the thing that we have to start with is who we are together. That actually, yeah, we're different, but actually we have the same Father, we have the same Lord, we have the same Spirit. God's put us in the same family. So we stay committed in non-negotiable love to each other. And then from that place, we go forward and actually act and serve and do ministry together. So really, kind of summarize the two sort of main points from this morning is this idea that actually unity, to be unity, to be true unity, still celebrates diversity. We need the differences, different people, different gifts. Those are actually needed to come to unity. And actually, the, still the, 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 the goal is to be one people, but to actually still value difference as well. And maybe one thing to do this morning is maybe you just even reflect, like kind of what side do you normally tend to? Do you sort of tend to just unity and sameness? Or do you sort of can, kind of tend to diversity but maybe separateness? And what may be God may be challenging to actually, how do we bring these together? To actually be one, 
but still be different, to be different but not separate, to be united but not the same, but to actually be united and diverse. And actually maybe, maybe God's calling us to sort of come back one direction or say, actually, I go a bit too far this way and actually I need to value both. And then secondly, we're saying that the church is a building and a body and that the building is to come first, that actually first we're to have committed love for one another and then the valuing of one another and each other's contributions, unique contributions. And this is only by the power of God's Spirit. And maybe today something to even think about, I guess, is, is what is actually uniting us? Or maybe what is even uniting um, you to other people in, in, in the church? And is it just that we're doing something together? Is it just that we come here on a Sunday and because we are in the same place because we do that, that that we're united, or, or are we united because we're actually committed in love to each other, because we're family, because, because of Jesus' spirit in each of us? Or, or do we come to church just because we kind of like the style and the taste? Or do we come because this is where God's placed us and it's our family, and, and we're not going to like everything, but that's kind of the point, <laughs> that it's going to be different, and, and we don't have to like everything, because it's not about us, it's about everyone together. And, and maybe... Maybe the question might just be sort of where do I land on those in terms of priority and where do I kind of need to maybe come back to um, where where maybe God be leading and speaking in that. But I think what we're going to do is we're going to take communion and and that's a great way to respond um, to this message that when we do this, we're saying actually we're together, that we've been united in Jesus, that that his goal, his, his heart is to have communion with us, but it's not just an individual thing, that God's view of Christian life is not just me and God, it's actually us together, it's actually he wants a family, he wants a people that's together and that he dwells, he dwells in us individually but he dwells in us as a family, united and actually as we have communion, it's about communing together and being together and as we come, we, we remember the body of Christ that was broken, that, that was broken for our sin um, his blood that was shed for our forgiveness, his body that was broken that has divided the, the, the walls that divide Jews and Gentiles and, and, and cultures and backgrounds and classes, all, all ages, all those things are divided. Now we're united in Jesus because of his cross. So remember his body that was broken. We're also called to recognize the body, which is the people of Christ, that actually we are his body. And in some ways, communion is a time to actually think, well, actually, how am I treating Jesus' body that's here on earth now? Other, other believers are the body of Christ. And we're to recognize the body, to honor each other, to, to love each other. And as we come to communion, there's, there's an opportunity to even maybe just look around and recognize, actually, together we are the body of Christ and we're called to love each other and to live together as family. So we're going to respond in a moment and take communion. And um, in a minute, maybe a couple of helpers um, could jump up to, to serve. Um, but I've just I've asked Bill to pray for us leading into communion. So I'll bring up the mic. And he's just going to pray, and then, then we'll have communion together. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, you are greater than our hearts and you know all things. As we come together, Father, to partake of this bread and this cup, 
Help us to remember and recognise your body that suffered and died on the cross and rose again glorified and did away with the separation between us. And help us to recognise too, Father, that as each one of us come and partake of the one loaf and the one cup, we are one. And we thank you for each one, Lord, because as they come, each of them, the temple of the Holy Spirit, there is the presence of God in the communion. We pray, Father, that we will recognise the body of Christ on the cross, suffering and dying for us, shedding his blood, and we will recognise each one of us, Lord, the body of Christ locally. We ask, Lord, that you will touch our hearts and bring love of, as you ask us to love one another as you have loved us. And there we will find unity. We ask it in Jesus' name. And all that name stands for. Amen.